0: Expecting an error-free medical record seems unreasonable. Too many opportunities, too many forces, too many players, too many perspectives. Not having error prevention and correction hardwired into our workflow and documentation processes also seems unreasonable. Last week, we spoke with Virginia Lorenzi about technical solutions to correcting errors in medical documentation. Virginia talked about information system solutions to aid human problems and solutions and understanding the different type of errors. This week, I read an article in the Washington Post about mining records for outdated data to enhance billing. Another level of error. As with any concerns, the more you discover, the less you know. I do know that the endpoint is best health. Going upstream, best health includes community and personal habits, which comprise care, treatment, and policy decisions. Upstream from that, is analysis and interpretation of data and at the source is the data itself, the more accurate the better, or moving back downstream, accurate, relevant, accessible data with analysis and interpretation of that data, finally informing action for best health. Today, Peter Elias, a family practice doc, joins us to discuss his documentation journey. Peter is retired from active primary care after 38 years as a family physician in Maine. We met at the Society for Participatory Medicine, working on several projects together. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of healthcare and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of healthcare. Let's make some sense of all of this. Peter, what I wanted to uh, talk to you about is. Three things I wanted and all related to documentation, errors in the EHR, the risk of errors, the uh, preventing errors and fixing errors for patients and clinicians. So that's like huge. And I'm, I'm not really looking to be comprehensive. More to Think about, just talk with you about your take on those and how you manage those in your experience as a physician.
1: So start anywhere. So I'm part of the cohort that did my medical documentation uh, on paper for a long time Mm -hmm. and then switched to digital. Okay. And medical errors are very different in those two circumstances. I don't think many people are doing it on paper purely anymore. Um, So I won't talk a lot about that unless it comes up peripherally. Computers are a trade-off. The digital records provide certain scaling and efficiency at the cost of flexibility and individuality. So in the paper world, you can write down pretty much any word you want for a diagnosis or a symptom. And in the digital world, we're often stuck with picking a checkbox or a number from a predetermined list. So the system is based on some artificial external constraints that are a background error. It's, it would be as if you were told to go grocery shopping And given a list of fruits that only had four fruits on it. And as long as what you wanted was one of those four fruits, you were all set. But if you wanted a fruit that wasn't on the list, you were kind of stuck. So that's one part. Another part is the fact that uh, documentation has been done over time, mostly after the visit. Okay. So
0: the, I go see my doctor... We do what we do, and then at the end of the day, they're documenting.
1: Yes. Okay. And for a number of years, in the old paper world, I would take a pile of charts home at the end of the day with my little handheld dictaphone and lock myself in a small room and sit down with the charts and some notes I take and dictate notes. And then somebody would transcribe them and paste them in a the chart. and very few systems ask the clinician to review the transcription. So I dictated mistakes, and the transcriptionist misunderstood what I said and it got pasted into the chart. And it didn't show up again until it was a problem. Yeah. Nobody really that I knew of was counting or paying attention. Changed a little bit when documentation became part of the reimbursement system. When I, I'm really old. So when I started, you decided what you charged, and the patient or the insurance company either paid it or they didn't pay it, and nobody ever looked at the chart to see. And with the electronic record, um, the documentation is a huge factor in reimbursement. And so, that number one, that's pressure. If you don't use the right terms, the reimbursement goes down. Okay. and so obviously there's some pressure to use the most remunerative terms that you can imagine or to check three boxes because you mentioned one of those three things not because you dealt with it there, there is that pressure I like to consider myself immune to that pressure but I'm a human being so right. I doubt that I was as immune as I pretended for me a transformative thing happened two-thirds of the way through my practicing era, that changed the way I approached documentation. It was named primarily at errors, but it had a huge impact on accuracy and errors. Um, so I describe what that? Yeah, so, please. Uh, I was seeing a, a couple with, for a fairly long visit, about a new complicated diagnosis. It was going to require that they get specialty care in a couple different places in addition to my primary care. And We made a plan, young, articulate, engaged couple. And at the end of the visit, I reminded them that our medical record system in this country is fractured and not very responsive, and that they needed to steward their own information. I told them to ask for a copy of every test, every x-ray, and every note or letter, and organize it in a binder bring it to all their visits because that was the only way they would be sure that each person saw what the last person did. And on the way out, my patient's wife smiled at me and and nailed me to the wall. She said, so how do we get a copy of your note? And until that day, I had never given a patient a copy of their note that I could recall. Mm -hmm. So that night when I was doing their note, had a somewhat different mindset. I was doing the note, knowing I was going to be giving it to them the next day, mm-hmm. and I realized that my usual phrasing, the way I usually did the note, it was my note about my visit. It was entirely my perspective on the interaction, and to the extent that the patient appeared in the note, it was always third person. The patient says, the patient denies, or the patient exhibits, the, the, all these medical phrases that clinicians. Are so fond of and I was uncomfortable with that. And I wrote that note differently. I used we a lot. We decided to do this. We decided this was important, and that felt different. And I resolved. I, I thought about that, and I resolved to say, "Okay, I'm going to try to write my notes as if the patient is going to look at them."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Chris. As if is one of those powerful phrases. You Mm -hmm. can do anything with as if. Mm -hmm. And then two other things happened that same week. Two days later, one of my trusted, respected, highly competent colleagues came to me unhappy with the fact that I had seen one of his patients and included in the note a phrase about this patient hasn't had an A1C done in nine months, which is inconsistent with current best care. And he was justifiably upset that if that note you know, were looked at by the patient or a litigation attorney. Uh, I had dug a hole for him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, he wasn't apologizing for not having done the A one C. He just would have liked me to have said the last A one C was on such and such a date. And then a couple of days later, the nurse I worked with, who knew I had given this other couple a copy of the note, asked me to give the note to a patient I was seeing that day. Now I. Tiffany was a great nurse. I trusted her. We were a great team. And I never brushed her suggestions aside. But I did. That, I said, well, I give it to them. Don't I have to give it to everybody? And she looked at me. She said, well. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of tipped me over the edge. So yeah. I decided I was going to try to give my notes to everybody. And I had to change my workflow. I, when I've talked about this, it wasn't done overnight. It didn't mean that the next day was fixed. But by a year later, I was giving pretty much every patient a copy of their note at the end of the visit. You know, it would get printed at the front desk, and the front desk would give it to them.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And as I said, I, I didn't do that primarily for accuracy. One big thing happened. In order to give them the note, I had to do it during the visit. In order to document during the visit and still maintain contact with the patient, I didn't feel comfortable turning away from the patient and typing and then turning back to the patient and then turning away and turning back. So I had the patient sit next to me and said, okay, let's document today's visit together.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So they were seeing what I typed and I could check with them. And I meant that I had to say out loud what I was typing, which meant I explained a boatload more stuff to the patient that I might not otherwise. The stuff in my head, doctor talk. Yeah, and one of my fears going to this was that it would freak patients out if they knew I was ordering a test because I wanted to make sure such and such wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were generally relieved that I was thinking about things like that and doing tests to make sure such and such wasn't happening. That mm-hmm. they were already worried about more things than I was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So I quickly discovered that I wasn't alarming patients by thinking out loud. I was reassuring them. That was a surprise. Mm-hmm. I thought I was doing them a favor by being private with my thoughts and discovered that level of transparency was actually a tool. Yeah. When we came to doing the assessment and the plan, especially the plan, we would generate a list and I could say to them, so which parts of this plan look like they're going to be a challenge? Is there anything we need to talk about or problem solve? So there was a step. Mm-hmm. That wasn't there when we just talked about it and then I wrote it down in my chart and then tested them and they come back in three months. Well, did you do X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we now said, which of X, Y, and Z are going to be hard? And we talked about it. Another thing I learned was that the challenging conversations about things like abuse or drug abuse, uh, domestic abuse, Mm -hmm. unsafe environments were easier. I thought they'd be harder. But they were easier because it would come up, and I would pause, and I'd say to the patient, this is gonna be a little hard to write about. So how are we going to write this in a way that both of us understand it and are comfortable with what's written down? And I think that made it a little easier for the patient that distanced them a little bit. Yes. They were talking about it like a screenplay. Yeah, yeah. It was a little easier to talk about Mm -hmm. it and come up with less emotional terms and descriptive terms and i got much less pushback having those conversations doing it that way
0: how interesting oh. and that,
1: that was true i yeah go, yeah, ahead. go ahead so that, that is true with patients with true psychiatric uh, illnesses you know delusional disorder and schizophrenia i had to be overt about which of the things they were talking about i thought were real in my environment and and which were only real in theirs And that facilitated our conversations. We had common ground for discussing this. And errors, you know, errors got filtered out while I was typing. No, it wasn't June, it was July. I just said it was July. Mm -hmm. And they would go home and show it to their spouse or their family or their parent or whatever, who would look at it and say, no, you got it wrong. It wasn't your father who had that. It was your grandfather and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, And so they would Right. With a lot of additional information or corrected
2: information.
0: Now, a word about our sponsor, A Bridge. Use A Bridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com, A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com, or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. I appreciate uh, several things about what you're saying, but the one that comes to mind right now is... That the more people s- see data and information, the more they can, it feels like it's theirs, the more it's accurate. And the, my, my PCP is sometimes she has a who is in the room, somebody I also know and feel comfortable with. And she's typing, she's like looking stuff up when we're having a question. She'll go Google it and make that available for us to see. And we can talk about what I'm really going to do, not just what I got told to do, or what did I really, what I did. She'll go back and say, she'll help the two of us, my doctor and I, to this is what, We said last time. So that's part of it. And so in that, that scenario, errors are correcting and preventing errors are part of the flow, as you were saying. But then there's stuff that has implications that is really hard to fix. Like I have MS. And when I finally got diagnosed with MS, the neurologist said I'd had it for 25 years. And my PCP, every time, like two or three times a year, I have an episode. And since my dad died when he was 45 of his second heart attack, I would get a cardiac workup, which by the time it was done and negative, my episode would be over. And so I have this long history of cardiac disease that was MS. And and I I can't. Every time I go to a different doctor, I have to say I don't have cardiac disease, and they don't really believe me. Um, But I I can't get it changed. It's like a problem that can't, uh, that doesn't, can't get off the system. And and I'm on top of that, and I know that's a problem, but it's upsetting. It's just taking more energy. When I go to the doctor, I pick my doctors, and they're good doctors, and they're collaborative. But it kills me that I have to – my PCP knows me and refers me to doctors who I'm simpatico with. But still, I'm going because I got a new problem. And I've still got to explain all this. these errors that are in the system.
1: Anyway. So, yeah, that's um, – I've talked to my son a little bit about that, who has some chronic medical problems and is a computer person data analyst he's a phd in statistics and probability and he does computer management for educational institutions and health institutions and we've talked about the challenge of both preserving the integrity of data history and providing an accurate current picture yeah and from his perspective Ultimately, the only way to do a good job of that is to design the system from the ground up, knowing that's going to be a requirement. Yeah. It's very hard to layer that on top of the standard database. Now, my workaround, I, that came up with patients who were more common for me than MS masquerading as cardiac disease. Uh, were various medical illnesses being labeled as depression or anxiety. Uh, Yeah.
2: um,
1: And so I would have patients who'd been on 17 antidepressants uh, and seen four or five psychiatrists before their medical illness was identified and addressed. And I couldn't really go back in time and erase those code numbers.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But I could... On my problem list, which was a document that I then sent to other places, I could have right near the top of the problem list a fairly plain vanilla code that I would then overwrite the DSM thing and say, long history of X misdiagnosed as depression.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I could oh, well, that's include good. that. I could include, that was right at the top of the problem list, and I could make sure, and patients would remind me, we'd have that discussion, patients mm-hmm. would remind me, but I could start out with my letter to a consultant. Mrs. Jones, a woman I followed for 15 years who has a long history of her such and such being misdiagnosed as depression. That doesn't get rid of everything in the past. But it's, it deals
0: with tomorrow.
1: Yes, but it's a challenge, and that was not a perfect solution because the insurance company, for example, only sees the number. And that's why I would not take the the diagnosis, uh, leave the depression in there and just rewrite the text that went with that number, which you can do in most medical records, because the insurance company would only see the number. So they would only see depression. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, and some things you can move to past history, oh, which is another entire story. We, we say past history of pneumonia, and people assume it's over, but you say past history of depression, and people assume it's only in the closet waiting to jump.
2: Oh. Yeah.
1: And if you say past history of cancer, that may not be a smart thing to do because we are never really 100% sure in that sort of right. thing. We say cancer, no evidence of disease as opposed to cured
0: so if the if there are engaged patients and family members who are trying to build that relationship with their clinician, that you're talking about open notes, you're talking about I'm just trying to think about like how do we as patients become more attuned and more collaborative ourselves with in our relationships with those few important clinicians. I see six or seven physicians, but really there's two that are key. My PCP and my neurologist, they're my key clinicians. I'm pretty aggressive, but I still find it hard to have those conversations. Unless I got a bug up my butt and I'm angry about it, then I sort of don't have a problem. But I can get really go to the doctor. You're not at your best. You're worried. You're. I don't think like my wife. I, one of my sponsors is a bridge, and one of the reasons that they sponsor me is they have this app that you record the visit, which is a godsend for us because I go home and I don't know what happened. I don't remember what we did. what we said. And so I have a recording that we can listen to. And and like you said, then she can, wait, but that's not right. Why didn't you tell him that? Or why didn't you say this? And it's of that is what errors are made of is not good communication, but being sick by definition is not good communication.
1: I'm a basically healthy person with a lot of medical experience. And I'm not at my best when I go to see my physician for a routine visit. Yeah. I feel at risk. Walking in there in that circumstance is a certain sense of vulnerability. And if that happens to me, uh, in an office where I worked for 40 years with a clinician who was a resident who trained under me, Mm -hmm. uh, on a day when I'm feeling healthy, I can't begin to wrap my head around what it's like for somebody who's in pain or having trouble breathing, who thinks they're dying of what their uncle died of. So patients ask me, you yes. used to ask me, "How can I get my other docs or nurse practitioners to do what you're doing?" Yeah,
0: yes, that's that's the question,
1: and I I don't have a magic answer. So if if you were hoping that I had a a pat phrase, a bumper sticker that was going to work all the time, sorry,
0: no. no, I no, I wasn't really.
1: But I think I made a difference uh, some of the time by encouraging them to point out to the other clinician that. Uh, I don't want to waste your time here today. I want to make sure I get the most of, out of our visit. And part of that is impacted by the fact that I can't remember when I get home. Or my wife couldn't join me today, and she usually helps me out staying on time. So it's going to be really useful if I have a copy of the note. And so you're there's this, this taking responsibility for something that isn't really necessarily – And saying it's my fault that isn't working, and I'm a little uncomfortable with the patient having to play that game. Yeah, but if it means the patient goes home with a note, I think, from my perspective, it's a small price to pay. And a couple times when I live in Maine, and I don't have the same depth of consultant. Opportunities for my patients that I might if I were in New York City or Los Angeles or Boston. So yeah, I sometimes am. had to actually, I couldn't just pick the right person. I had to find somebody and try to get the consultant to adjust. Right. And I had to practice ahead of time. So I knew I was going to not use red flag words, but I could call or write the consultant and say it would be really helpful for this patient and for me. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it with them. They're comfortable with it. It's not a problem. Um, Uh, you know you'll get some really good feedback if you do your note while they're watching and they can fill in some of the blanks they'll they'll see some stuff and note it. that'll help them remember Um, and i don't think i had any other uh, clinicians who flipped over to my diving into the deep end of the pool here but i think i changed some behavior some um i had a whole lot of male patients who told me how nice it was to go home, and when their spouse asked about the visit, they say, here, read this. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And my partners appreciated the notes because they knew where, you know, the patient and I were literally on the same page. They, they knew exactly where the patient was. They didn't have to worry, does the patient know this or not know this right. because it was all there. All right. But go ahead. I, say I should mention then probably that my, when patients had additional information or correction, my medical record allowed me to append that visit with a comment note, if you will, mm-hmm. and then correct or add to the diagnosis. I couldn't erase the old stuff,
2: mm-hmm. but I
1: could make sure there was an electronic attachment to that. Mm-hmm. So anybody who found the first part would also have access to the second part. It's not right. perfect. And then the other thing I would mention is there's a new problem arising in that transgendered individuals are beginning to find that they are denied procedures or medications because the insurance company only accepts, only approves it based on what's in their record. And that's an example of how the system constraints get in the way of taking care of an individual.
0: Yes. What do you think we should have talked about in this?
1: So I think there are a couple of things i like to mention, especially if clinicians are going to see any of this. Yeah. And one is that I had always been really proud of how good my charting was, that it was organized and accurate and and well-documented until I realized what it looked like to other people. It was beautiful (laughs) private notes, but it really didn't pass the publication test. And that changed when i was explicitly documenting for publication dance, you know, small audience so that's one thing um, and the other is there was some cost to me in terms of effort i did spend time every morning looking at the charts And doing a little cleanup, sometimes typing a list of things to talk about in the HPI to make the visit run more smoothly. So I didn't have to do as much housekeeping. I didn't want to have to spend time in the visit taking out last year's urinary tract infection from the problem list. I I wanted that. But it meant when I went home at the end of the day, I was done. And it saved me two hours every night. Yeah. Oh, oh. two hours of family time. And that was wonderful. Yeah, that is wonderful. Wonderful. That was fantastic and made me happier. And I'm absolutely convinced that the error correction and the patient engagement, the collaborative workflow, those alone make it worth doing this. And my institution didn't have open notes. I was doing this. I attracted a little attention from the administration. They weren't entirely pleased with what I was doing, but they stopped trying to stop me.
0: (laughs) you be delighted to have Dr. Elias as your PCP? A learning individual. So many ways to look at documentation, errors, informed decision making. What's worked for you? Let me know. See you around the block. the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.